All right. Well, before we get started here this morning, I do have one more announcement. And we saved not the most important, because they're all important, but the most exciting for us. Uh, we are officially launching our O groups a week from today, which is amazing. We've been praying, we've been preparing, we've been putting all of this stuff together because it is essential as the body of Christ that we are meeting and diving into the word of God together. Because if you want to read the Bible by yourself for the rest of your life, great. But when you read the Bible with other people and you hear the hearts of what God is speaking to them and you get to encounter God's presence together, just like this, but in a more intimate setting, whew, the spirit of God starts to move. And confidence is built up. Amen? And so I encourage you, if you haven't already, please, please, please sign up for an O group. We have a couple different locations throughout the city. All of our hosts are going to be out in the lobby right after service. They're going to have a sign that has their location, and they'll have all the information about time and all of that good stuff for you. So please, as you walk out, if you right now are going, hmm, maybe I should join one, do it. All right? Do it because you will not regret it. It will be an incredible time, and it's not a huge deal. Like, you don't have to make this 75-year commitment, okay? You are going to be meeting once, maybe twice a month, all right? We don't want to put too much on your plate, and we want to give you the opportunity to be able to build relationships during O groups and then have friendships outside of those groups, all right? And so once, maybe twice a month, occasionally when it falls twice in that month, but please sign up. It's going to be amazing. We are starting a brand new series this morning. It is called God's Plan, and it has nothing to do with the song, all right? Just want everybody to know that. Um, if anything, they stole it from us, all right? Because God's plan has been moving since he created the world, so <laughs> there you go, all right? <laughs> Amen. But I, I, I want to encourage you this morning before I get started. This plan, this plan, <laughs> this series is not just for you individually. All right, hear me when I say it. it's not just for you, but it's for this entire city. It's for the city of Chicago, the place where you live. Or maybe you don't live in Chicago, it's for your city as well. This isn't like Oasis Church and for me. All right, this is for everybody outside of these four walls because we are believing that faith is going to be stirred up, that lives are going to be challenged through this series, and we are going to step out and reach the people who are lost and broken. Amen? All right, well, we are going to jump right into it. I don't know whose iPod this is, but I'm going to put it, iPad, right there. All right, praise the Lord. We're going to jump right into it. We are going to be talking about a man named Nehemiah. Does anybody know who Nehemiah is by chance? <laughs> That's awesome. So many hands were down. Great. What an, oh, this series is going to be powerful just because of that right there. That's amazing. Nehemiah was one of the most incredible men of faith to ever walk this earth. And it wasn't because uh, he was called to greatness, but he was called to build up despair. 
And so we are believing that this is truly going to speak to us as just everyday followers of Jesus. Because quite frankly, Nehemiah was nothing special. He was very average, just a normal dude. And he had a very important job, and we will get there. But I, I encourage you, just heed the words that are spoken over the next couple of weeks. Take them to heart and use them day in and day out. We want this series to go forth throughout the week, not just from Sunday and then to the next Sunday to the next Sunday, but Sunday through Saturday, every single day being reminded of what we're called to in God's plan. Amen? All right. In Nehemiah, starting in chapter 1, verse 3, what happens is Nehemiah's brothers, they come back from Jerusalem. Nehemiah is in Persia. They have been exiled. They've been there for many, many years. And they come back to him with some news about his city. He is an Israelite. He feels called to the promised land, which is Israel and Jerusalem. And he is just expecting them to tell him what's going on, how there, some people escaped the exile, some people were not brought with the exiled people. And so he's just expecting, you know, typical point by point, this is what's going on, this is what the people are doing, blah, 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 blah. But they come back to him and they say something that destroys his world. They tell him that the city's walls have been destroyed and the gates have been burned down by fire. And it says this starting in verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. If we can have that up on the screen, that would be awesome. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. That is powerful. Not just praying for himself and his family, but for the entire nation of Israel. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, I pray that you would anoint it, that it would go forth, that it would not return void. We know that your word is active, it is alive, it is truth. And so God, speak your truth over us this morning. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you look at your neighbor and say, God's plan. God's plan. Has anybody, um, has anybody put a lot of effort, a lot of anticipation into something ever? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I'll give you an ex example, and I'm not proud of this example, all right? Let me just make that disclaimer. I'm not proud of the anticipation that went forth, okay? But I put a lot of anticipation into a movie that came out last year. Um, I am a big, really big superhero fan. 
Okay, like, it's weird, all right? It's weird how much I, like, I'm wearing Batman socks right now. Like, if you, if you want to see Batman, like, it's, it's, it's real, all right? And I, um, I was so ready for the movie Justice League to come out last year. So ready, in fact, that I watched the trailer for Justice League at least twice a week for like five months, okay? So like my heart was in it. I was invested, I was ready to go, and I cannot tell you the amount of heartbreak that I felt when I actually saw that movie, okay? It was so just disappointing and dumb and like, I'm still, I mean, do you hear it in my voice? Like, I was so upset, I can't even look at that thing anymore, all right? It was bad, all right? That doesn't even compare to what Nehemiah was experiencing. He was in such anticipation for what news was going to be brought to him about his home. He was so excited. He was praying. He was waiting. He was ready to hear what his brothers had to say. And the amount of despair and heartbreak that comes after those words are spoken that they have been basically destroyed, that his city is in ruins, it tears him apart. He has experienced true loss. And it's not because people died. It's because the walls fell. That, that's crazy. That all it took was for some walls to fall down. But he knew that when the walls fell down, the heart of God was now open to be broken. Because God's people who were there were vulnerable. That nations upon nations were going to come after God's people. And they already did. They already lost. But that was Israel's fault because they were sinning and they were going against God and so God had to punish them. But now, after they've been in exile, they're in the promised land. They're experiencing loss and a lack of food, a lack of water because they're just in desperate ruins. The walls that were protecting them are now broken down. And Nehemiah feels such a deep and heavy burden to go back. But it doesn't just happen. Some say that Nehemiah prayed and fasted and sought the Lord for four months before he felt the true calling to go back to Jerusalem. Man, we get, correct me if I'm wrong, but we get tired after four minutes of praying, right? We get tired after a couple hours, I don't even know how, like, how do people pray for that long, you know? Like, that's crazy. And I'm a pastor, okay? I'm just being honest. This is my honest hour with you guys, all right? Praying can be tough, but Nehemiah had such a burden for his home that he spent time on his face, not just praying for himself to have strength, but praying for the forgiveness of the rest of the entire nation of Israel. Hundreds of thousands of people, he was on his face seeking the Lord's forgiveness. Who could you imagine if the church of Jesus Christ began to have a burden like that for the people outside of these walls? That would be 
incredible going out and seeking God's kingdom, number one, but seeking God's salvation to come to those people, the people who are hurting, who are broken. And now Nehemiah, he was, he had an important role, but it was a very expendable role. And I say that because people in his role died literally all the time. He was a cupbearer to the king. And now what a cupbearer was, he just drank whatever the king was about to drink to make sure that it didn't have poison in it. He ate the food that the king was about to eat so that he made sure there wasn't poison in it. Meaning, if there was poison, he died. Like, that's it. There wasn't, like, medicine, like, a anti-venom like serum waiting for him. Like, the cupbearer was expendable. But the cupbearer had to be bold in his position. He couldn't walk up to the king and be like, I'm not going to taste it today. That's, uh, I'm not feeling it. That's not how it worked. Because if that were the case, then he would have just been put to death because he was disobeying the king. But he had boldness in the position he was given. And he had favor in the position because he was faithful in it. That's powerful. That's something that we need to be reminded of. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, you may have heard this before in church. It's very cliche, so to speak, but it is unbelievably important that we walk by this every single day. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So whether or not you think you're in a position that feels like you're qualified to do it or feels like you're called to do it, God is going to give you the gifts that you need. And maybe you're in a position that you need to maybe step up and push forward and go after something even greater, something even better, something even bigger, because God has gifted you. And you just need to call out the gifts in yourself. Be reminded of that this morning. Nehemiah was bold in his position. And he could only be bold in that position because God put him there. See, God put, them, put him there for such a time as this. Nehemiah wasn't afraid of death. We can't be afraid of death because we live in the victory of Jesus Christ, amen? And so sometimes we can't be worried about what our friends might think or how we might be put to death by their opinions because at the end of the day, we are called to so much more than some silly opinion of what someone might think of us. Nehemiah knew that he had to go and save his people. God had called him to rebuild the walls. The king had incredible trust and faith in these people because his life was literally in their hands. And so we're going to continue reading, starting in Nehemiah 2, and it says this. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. That's great, because he wasn't dead. He wasn't poisoned. So praise the Lord for that. And it says, Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? There is nothing but sadness of the heart. This is super important, super important, 
because you were not allowed. It was illegal to be sad in the presence of the king because at this time, the king had rule and reign. He could do whatever he wanted. And because of that, you had to be extremely joyful, even if you were faking it. Fake it till you make it in front of the king. But Nehemiah couldn't hold it in because it wasn't the sadness of mind, but it was the sadness of heart. It was his heart being truly broken for his city, for his home. And the king notices it. And the king, his heart breaks. The king has pity on him, so to speak, and says, why, why are you sad? He could have been banished. He could have been put to death. But God softened the king's heart and showed there's some, something so much greater than you having everybody be joyful around you in this moment. There's something so much greater that Nehemiah is called to. And it said, it says this, then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and will you, when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And he prayed. And he prayed. He didn't get on his knees he just said, God, give me the words to say. He said, God, give me favor in this moment. I think sometimes we miss out on some incredible opportunities because we're not even willing to say, God, give me an opportunity. God, pour out your favor. God, give me wisdom. God, show me how to interact with this person. Those prayers are powerful. See, it was a quick and earnest prayer. See, when we pray and we dive in just like Nehemiah did and we fast and pray, that is essential for our lives as believers. But sometimes we just have to walk and be ready for those quick prayers. Be ready to say, God, I need you now. God, show me what to do. God, go before me. God, be in this conversation. Nehemiah did that and because of that, he was shown favor. The king was willing to listen. Sometimes we just have to have the strength to pray prayers that are unbelievably out of this world. He was called to go 800 miles away. That was a long journey back in the day. It's a long journey now. He was called, but he had to be sent. He had to be sent by the king. And so he prayed a bold prayer that God was going to use him, that God was going to soften the king's heart. What if we started praying prayers for the, the kings of this city, the leaders of this city, the influencers of this city, the people in positions of power? God, change their hearts. God, speak to their hearts. God, give us a voice 
to speak into their lives. God, change the hearts of the people in this city who are lost. Could you imagine if our mindset turned into that every single day? God would start to move. God would start to use us. Opportunities would arise where we can go forth and speak truth and life into situations that are dead and dark. This morning, this is what we want you to take. And it's very important that you, you listen because once you listen, it's easy to remember. But it It's this, in order to know God's plan, you have to know God's presence. And when you come out of God's presence, he will lead you into your purpose. When you come out of his presence, he will lead you into your purpose. It's impossible to know God's purpose for your life if you don't spend time with him. I'm just going to tell you that. You have to constantly be listening, constantly be waiting, constantly be willing to hear from him, to hear from his word. Because God doesn't give you the plan all, all mapped out, step by step. Here's A, B, C, D, point one under D. Like, he doesn't do that. He gives you one step at a time, and we have to seek him to find it. And so, in order to know his, his purpose, we're going to have to spend time with him. Just like Nehemiah did. And so the first point this morning is this. Pray first, then seek. Nehemiah knew that God's plan to rebuild the city walls, to rebuild the gates of Jerusalem, would only happen with the approval of the king. So Nehemiah, he asks for a partnership. He asks to be sent by the king. He says, will you send me? All too often, we get into the mindset of, we just got to take control and we got to have boldness and do it all alone. No. Sometimes we got to partner with people. Sometimes we have to lead people to Jesus with someone standing next to us. You don't have to do that by yourself. That's what the body of Christ is for, to walk hand in hand to do life together, to be there for one another, to encourage each other. This situation, the king didn't care what happened as long as his kingdom was fine. But Nehemiah knew that he needed to be sent or else the king's heart wouldn't have been in the right place. And he is sent. He's sent to go restore what was broken. The the most incredible thing, and we'll we'll read it here in a second, is Nehemiah literally picked up, after he got some letters written by the king to get some supplies, but he picked up, and with a group of people, he went. He didn't send word that he was coming. He went, and he traveled, and he got there, and he didn't even tell them why he was there. People probably thought that he was there just to visit, just to say hello, but that's not the case. He knew why he was there. The people with him knew why he was there, but he wasn't there to broadcast it. Sometimes we just need to spend time in God's presence, get approval on what he's called us to, and then go do it before we speak, before we share, before we gloat, 
about this incredible plan because he had to go. He had to pray. He had to know exactly what he was called to do before he could lead those people. He was joining in God's plan. He was joining in the purpose that God had for his life. But he only knew that because it was in his spirit. And that only happens when you spend time in his presence. Like I said before, you have to seek the Father to know exactly what you are called to do. How do we reach a city if we don't ask God to move? We don't. I mean, you guys are amazing. You're incredible. You are called and you are gifted. But you are not going to reach this city without the power of God. Simple as that. I'm not going to reach this city without the power of God, without the spirit of God leading all of us together. Because there's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of brokenness. But they're not too far gone. No one is too far gone to reach. God's power is always great enough. We're going to fall on our faces. That's as simple as it is. Because we're not strong enough, but God is. And so we have to trust in him. We have to pray first. We have to ask God for wisdom and guidance to know what we're called to and where we're called to. It's really great to know what you're called to, but if you don't know where, you're going to be lost, right? And so it's about spending time not just finding out the what, but the where. Not just finding out the where, but the who. Because we're called to reach people. This city is filled with people, hearts, faces, names. And so we have to go out and love them, care for them, speak life into them. And that only happens when we pray first. The second point is this. Go with a God plan. Nehemiah went with what God had called him to do. He knew he was going to rebuild the walls, but it it didn't happen because it magically popped into his head. He spent time seeking God. For months on his face, praying, fasting, searching, God, what is it you want me to do? Some people say that he prayed, either take this burden away from me or show me exactly what I'm called to do. But he waited on the Lord. Sometimes we just have to be willing to sit with him. We have to be willing to spend time in his presence. Yes, we got to be ready to pray those quick prayers, but we also have to be ready to sit and wait, to sit and hear, to sit and listen to what God wants to say to us, to how God wants to use us. It's in those moments that God truly reveals his plan for our lives. And that's easier said than done, right? <laughs> you know, we got, got stuff to do. Got things. Life, it's crazy, it's short. We don't have time anymore, right? But I, I'll tell you what, when we are spending time in God's presence, truly waiting on him, Our priorities, our agenda 
becomes less and less important than the hearts of the people that need to be reached, than the places that are destroyed and broken that need to be rebuilt. That's what God reveals to us. See, God doesn't just make us feel good. He calls us. He challenges us. He equips us to go out to reach people. And that only happens by spending time in his presence. Nehemiah had a pretty important job, according to the king. People were like, oh, they're expendable. They die all the time. But to the king, the cupbearer was a pretty important position because he saved his life if he ended up dying. He was a martyr for the king, basically. But Nehemiah knew that he was called to something greater. He knew that God had purposely put him in that place so that he could go by being sent by the king. Why are you in Chicago? Why are you in the city that you're in? Is it because you were born here? Maybe. Awesome. That's great. You're just a good old Chicagoan or whatever. Chicago, whatever. Maybe you're here for work. Maybe you're here for school. Who knows? What if that was only just a tiny piece, a tiny piece of why you're here? God is calling each and every one of us to so much more. And maybe some of you know exactly what that is, and that's incredible, and I pray that God uses you to reach so many people that lives are changed. But a lot of us, myself included, we sometimes don't really know why we're here. We don't know what God is calling us to. And so we need to realize that maybe what we're doing right now is only scratching the surface of what God has truly called us to do in this city. Man, hearts would start to change. Places would be rebuilt. Families would be restored. Healing would come. Nations would look at the city of Chicago and be like, what is going on there? People are being utilized to the full potential that God had created them. That's what they're going to see. And revival will come. Because when God's people are moving, his spirit is going to be moving. And his spirit always reaches farther than we could ever reach. Amen? The third point is this. Know your space before you speak. Know your space before you speak. In verse 11 of chapter 2, it says this, So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the, gal- the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. That's really important because he doesn't say, 
who I was going to ask to do the work. (laughs) He says, who were to do the work. They didn't have a choice in the matter. But his burden was so heavy on his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that once he had the plan in place, once he knew in his spirit exactly how he was going to do it and what he was going to do and what he was going to use to rebuild, then the people were going to partner with him. The people were going to come alongside him. He went around to see what damage had been done. He didn't broadcast it. The leaders of Israel didn't even know why he was there. They didn't know where he went. They didn't know what he was doing. But he knew exactly why he was there. He had to get the plan in place in his heart so he could lead his people. He shows action by humbly going out. Man, sometimes we just need to walk in humility in the calling that God has placed on our lives instead of broadcasting it. And I'm just as guilty of this. I I use the pastor term all the time because sometimes it gets free stuff. I'm just saying, all right? But in, in all reality, it happens all the time. I could say, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor, and people automatically think I'm, like, better or something. It's so weird. I'm not. I'm so awful. Like, I'm not a great person. Like, I'm just called by the grace of God to love people. Like, that's, that's what my calling is. I just happen to have the word pastor in front of my name. Who cares, right? But so often, we walk in cockiness rather than humility of the calling that God has on our life. And Nehemiah walked in humility But it wasn't just, oh, I'm just, yeah, whatever, like, whatever. He was humble with a fire inside of him. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he was going to go out in passion and power, knowing that the God of Israel had sent him and had chosen him to do this. We need to walk in that same thing. I don't know if you know this, but there's a guy in the New Testament who walks in humility and fire Uh, His name is Jesus. Um, We are called to do the same thing. We are called to be the same way. Sometimes we just need to go into spaces and places and pray for them and be present in them without telling everybody why we're there, telling everybody what we're doing. If someone wants to have a conversation with you about how you're praying for that space and maybe that person specifically, that's one thing. But when you, sometimes, I do this all the time. Hey, um, I'm going to come and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be there and do this, do that, blah, 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 blah. So, like, just be ready for me. Why? Like, why do we have to broadcast it? Nehemiah didn't do it. He went and prepared in his heart exactly what needed to be done. Sometimes we just need to go into these spaces and be present and love the people there without saying, oh, I'm from Oasis Church, or I'm from this, or I'm from that. No, just be the body of Christ day in and day out without saying to everybody why you're there. God uses that humility. He uses that gracing that you're walking in. We have to be present in the city if we're going to reach it. How, how can we reach a city that we don't know? How can we be the hands and feet of Jesus 
if we're not active. See, we could pray for places that are labeled too far gone very easily. God, reach those people who can't be reached. That's great. But like, maybe we should go and be Jesus to them. Maybe we should go and be active in those spaces and show them that we are willing to get our hands dirty, willing to be a part of their lives, willing to show them the love of Jesus in those situations. Like I said at the very beginning, we can't be afraid to die. We can't because we are called to live in the victory of Jesus. And that means going to these places, the down and out places, the places that are dirty and run down and scary, whatever. And to be just present and to show them, hey, I'm here just to love, just to care for. I'm here to to talk to you. Wow, when people realize that they like another person just want to have a conversation with them, that changes their whole day. Because so many people just assume that they're going to be pushed away. Let's go be present and active with arms open wide, ready to speak in every situation, in every circumstance. So the enemy, he, he hates prayer. Let me just say that. When we pray, Satan doesn't like it. All right? Let me just, disclaimer, obviously. When we pray in the name of Jesus, Satan loses ground. But Satan really likes people who pray a lot but stay in their house and don't do anything. Because your prayers only go fo- so far. Maybe if we stopped praying for other people to reach the lost, and we started praying that God would use us to reach the lost, some things would start to change. Because in all reality, unless you actually know who's going out to reach these people, you're just praying for random people hoping that it happens one day. We need to be ready. We need to be excited. We need to be bold in our faith to pray, God, Someone's life is going to be changed today. Someone's heart is going to be restored today. And I am going to be a part of it. I am going to be active in this situation. I am going to be used by you to touch that person, to reach that person. Man, when we start praying those prayers instead of, God, would you just reach them wherever they're at? Just reach them. And then we just go on throughout our day. Are we being active or are we being passive? I want to be an active follower of Jesus. I don't know about you guys. Because God's plan is for us to be active and moving and ready and willing to do what is necessary to reach the people of the city of Chicago and the city that you're from. Be willing to go into your city, the safe parts, the uncomfortable parts, to build the walls. Nehemiah went to build the walls. We have to build up the walls of the church of Jesus Christ before we can reach anybody because the enemy is going to continue to go after them. He's going to continue to tear them down. But when we build up the walls of the church and surround these people with the love of Jesus, then they are protected and we can go after them. And we can love them and care for them and pray for them and spend time with them We have to surround them 
with the protection of God. That's what those walls represent, God's protection for that city. We have to pray that protection over people if we want to truly reach them. They have to be covered by the blood of Jesus. So let's build those walls. Let's be active in those walls. And that way we can go deeper, we can create more relationships, we can spend more time with people every single day. And the final point is this, as the band comes back up and and we finish out this morning, let's get to work. Let's get to work. This is a a continuation series. We're just going to be hopping through the book of Nehemiah, just diving into the truth and wisdom that comes from this. But I, I implore you, get to work. Pastor JP will be back next week. Him and Rachel are on vacation. Praise the Lord that they can go and get rest. Amen. But they're going to be back next week, and he's going to continue and dive even deeper and go into more truths. But let's get to work even now. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to seek God's plan for each one of our lives and for the life of the church, capital C, the church of Jesus Christ in this city. What is it that you're called to? Who are you called to reach? And maybe you already know. If so, get to work get to work. But if not, let's use this week, this time, these moments to spend with Jesus, to really get in his presence, to pray those quick, bold prayers, but to also get on our faces and spend time seeking God and the plan that he has for our lives. Nehemiah knew what he was called to do. He knew where he was called to go. And so when we can find out what that is for our lives, whoo, the Spirit of God is going to begin to use us in ways that we could never imagine. And so just take a moment right now. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Let's begin to stir up our own faith. This week, take some extra time. Begin to pray. Begin to ask God what it is you're called to do. Like I said, if you know, great, let's get to work. But if not, hear what God has to say to you. Be willing to listen. I promise every hundred person in this room, whether they're in kid zone and they're three years old or they're a hundred, it doesn't matter. God is still using us because if there's breath in our lungs, then we can reach people, amen? And so take a second here. And just hear the voice of God. Hear where you're called to go. I believe that when we truly come to the understanding and comprehend the plan of God for our lives and for the lives of this city, then revival is going to come. Because all of God's promises are yes and amen. And God wants to reach every single heart in the city of Chicago. He wants to use us, not the people around us, not the other churches in the city of Chicago. He wants to use us right now to begin to go out to see revival come because I believe that revival has already started. We just have to catch the fire. We have to be willing and ready to go. So I'm going to ask a simple question, a simple question this morning, and I want you to raise your hand because it starts with boldness. 
And my question this morning is this. Are you ready and are you willing to be a part of God's plan to reach the city of Chicago? Simple as that. Count of three. Are you ready and are you willing to be a part of God's plan to reach the city of Chicago? One, two, three. My hand is up. My hand is up. Amazing. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Jesus, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen. We thank you that you have called us to so much greater than what we're even doing right now. God, you are incredible. You are mighty. You are powerful. And you are going to use the church of Jesus Christ to bring salvation, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to bring relationships to the city of Chicago. So God, would you give us boldness? Would you give us confidence? Would you give us grace as we walk day in and day out? Give us a willingness to spend time in your presence, to seek your face, to know exactly what your plan is for each one of our lives. So God, go before us. Use us to reach this city, God. We thank you and we praise you. And if you believe it, would you stand to your feet and just lift up your voice as we worship here this morning.